pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace, and that we can come together and sing of the glories of our Savior, that we can live in faith and hope and trust because of who you are. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning again. Uh, I mentioned this early, not that you aren't here when service began, but most of you weren't here when the service began. And so today is a special Sunday where we are celebrating our bridge ministry. That's our ministry to those individuals and families affected by disability. Hopefully you've kind of gotten a little bit of it as you came in. Um, some of our, our bridgers are helping ushering this morning. Um, one of the bridgers, Lonnie, we used her font. They converted her writing. It's such a neat writing into a font that we use for a lot of our bridge material. It's little things like that, but really we want this whole morning to talk about who we are as a church family and how we can love them. Uh, if you're visiting, maybe you're asking, like, why spend a Sunday focused on something like this? Well, we're in a series on the cruciform church, the picture being that we must be a people shaped by the message of the cross to show the love of the cross. And this morning, we wanted to show one way that we just lived that out. In other words, what does it look like as a church family to be shaped by the message of the cross and then to show that love to others? It means that we embrace one another and especially those individuals and families affected by disability. So to begin our time, we wanted to show a video of our bridge ministry. It was put together by Jared Ho and the music is sung by one of our bridge girls, Piper. And then after that, Pastor Wayne will come up and kind of give an overview of what the ministry is about. Hi, everyone. My name is Wayne. I'm the pastor of a family, family ministries here. It's uh, hard to kind of go after that video, but I will try. Uh, one of our hopes uh, this Sunday is, uh, as Pastor Kim mentioned, to continue to grow together as a church family and to see the various ways that we can minister to and also be ministered by our Bridge families. So I'll just be spending a couple minutes sharing about some of the different means of encouragement that we have in our Bridge ministry uh, many that you were able to get a glimpses of in the, in the slideshow. And we hope that this would allow you to know how to continue to get involved and be up to date with our bridge ministry. The first is our monthly newsletter that we started last fall. It's headed up by our volunteers, Jessica Choi and Caitlin Ho, and distributed to all of our bridge volunteers and families. We usually have a testimony uh, written by a bridge parent or one of our bridge volunteers, this was a testimony written by one of our moms, Vera Christian, and another one by one of our core volunteers, Zach Chen. We'll also highlight one of our bridgers and one of our shadows so that our volunteers and families can continue to get to know one another and learn about each other's interests and hobbies. So here's a great highlight of Walter, and we also have a great one of JJ. Sometimes our family will just read through these newsletters together and spend time praying for our bridge families. They're always super encouraging, filled with funny stories, great memories, and, memory, and messages of hope. If you're interested in receiving these newsletters, you can go ahead and email bridge at lighthousesouthbay.org. Another one of our ministries in Bridge is what we call Bridge Blessings. Uh, this ministry is spearheaded by Chrissy Kobata, one of our core volunteers, and it's a simple and fun way for our church family to connect with and encourage our Bridgers outside of Sunday Ministries. Periodically, we'll have signups to be part of this, and basically, we'll just ask our bridge parents, what are the ways that we can bless their kids in this current season? And then those who sign up will have opportunities to spend time with our bridgers, bring a favorite drink or dessert, play video games, or just make a puzzle with them. 
This is one of our volunteers, Kimmy Lowe, spending time with Alyssa Kubo. And the next slide shows Amy Ho with Darian and the Touch family. We also wanted to mention our bridge prayer cards that we created a couple months ago. This is an example of a prayer card with Travis and, and the Sun family. And this is just a way for those who want to be in prayer for our bridge families to know how to be praying for them. So if you've received a prayer card from a bridge family, we encourage you to be praying for them and following up with how you can support and care for them in this season. For our bridge parents and other family members affected by special needs, we have periodic gatherings and fellowship times for them as well. Uh, Gina Hubert and Kim Sun oversee the ministry for our bridge moms and sisters called Anchored. And we also have a men's ministry that we more, we more recently started up, and we don't have a name yet, and so we just call it Anchored for Men. <laughs> right? I know, very creative. Uh, but we hope to build on it and think of ways to encourage the bridge dads and brothers. Uh, finally, we just wanted to spend some time to talk about our Sunday bridge ministry. This is where we would actually need the, the most help from you, our church family. On Sundays, our hope is to be able to minister to our bridgers and get to know them, as well as allowing their parents to be able to spend time in corporate worship. And so we have volunteers that we call shadows that will sit with them in the classrooms and support and help them in whatever they need. Here is one of our shadows, Caitlin, and also one of Royce, who is also a shadow. So if you have a heart for Bridge and are willing to learn, we would encourage you to see how you can get involved. We have regular training sessions for all of our shadows and ways that you, could, you will be supported throughout the process to learn how to care for our bridgers. We've been talking a lot about church culture more recently from the pulpit and in small groups, and it has been encouraging to see how with each passing year, our children's ministry culture is one where our bridgers are woven and integrated into the ministry. We are far from perfect, and we have so much more to grow and learn but mainly because of our bridge families being so patient and gracious with us and helping us to know how to better love and care for them, we have been able to grow and explore together how we can walk side by side with them. So at this time, I'm gonna introduce one of our bridge shadows, Carlin Lau, who will be sharing her testimony of serving as a bridge shadow with us. Good morning, Lighthouse. <clears throat> I'm honored to share my experience as a bridge shadow with you all today. After I became a member of Lighthouse, I was eager to start serving in a ministry. Children's ministry seemed like a good place to start because um, I love working with children and I have previously taught Sunday school and VBS classes before. I was, however, in a very busy season of life. I was working full time and also had a toddler. I was afraid to commit to teaching Sunday school because I felt that I didn't have much time to meaningfully prepare a lesson beforehand. I was already volunteering once a month in children's ministry because parents with kids in the ministry are required to do so. I still felt called to do more, but wasn't sure how or in what way. One Sunday, as I was fulfilling the children's ministry parent requirement, a light bulb went off. I could be a bridge shadow, I thought. I was already volunteering once a month. Bridge ministry always needs more volunteers. As Pastor Wayne said, that's still true. And I wouldn't need any extra time to prepare beforehand, or so I thought. I thought it was a brilliant convergence of interests and jumped right in. I submitted my application, did the live scan, and 
was super excited. Um, after I was cleared to serve, though, God quickly revealed to me how I did not fully appreciate the responsibilities of a bridge shadow. At work, I'm occasionally called on to advocate for people with special needs, so I was somewhat familiar with the world of disabilities. Before I was a shadow, though, I had zero experience in actually caring for and being responsible for the well-being and safety of a person with special needs. Thankfully, Bridge Ministry trains and equips each shadow before you are sent off on your own, and a large part of the training is observing experienced shadows work with bridgers. And it's supposed to help you make feel more comfortable shadowing, but for me, it revealed to me just really how inadequate I was for the job. Bridgers can sometimes be unpredictable, and I just did not know how to respond. I questioned if I made the right decision. This was absolutely not the convenient ministry that I thought it would be. Nevertheless, meeting the Bridgers awakened something in me. I was, I found myself in awe of how each Bridger is so special and so unique. Each one is fearfully and wonderfully made. Observing the shadows lovingly serve the Bridgers was just so beautifully inspiring for me that it made my heart yearn to want to be part of these pathways of grace. I decided to trust that God can use me despite and perhaps because of my shortcomings. It reminds me of when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 19. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can rest upon me. Brothers and sisters, I share this all with you to encourage you to also consider shadowing. You do not have to be professionally trained or be super holy with the purest of intentions. I was neither of those things. But God can use you, whatever life stage you are in or whatever life experiences you have, as long as you make yourself available. I remember how nervous I was the first time I shadowed on my own. I didn't have to spend time preparing a Bible lesson beforehand, but I did spend time poring over the bridge books um, where we maintain background information, family updates, and tips on how to serve the bridgers. I also found myself on my knees anxiously beseeching God to help guide me in meeting my bridgers' needs. God was good. He went easy on me that week, and everything went smoothly. And through the years, I've learned tools and techniques on how to better serve the Bridgers from the Bridge Corps and also from Bridge parents themselves. I will also tell you, though, and I'm not proud of this, but I have lost control of a Bridger before. Several people had to step in to help when I didn't know what to do, and it was very humbling. So please also know that if you serve, you are never going to be completely alone. There will always be somebody to back you up. So brothers and sisters, despite my inadequacies and misguided intentions becoming a bridge shadow, God has really used this um, to be a tremendous experience and blessing in my life. I thought that it would be the ministry that would be least disruptive to my life, but instead God's used it to transform it. Now, I can't help but think of and pray for Bridgers when I'm at the grocery store and I see their favorite crackers, or when I'm shopping and I see their favorite pens or activities. I, com 
I continue to marvel at how incredibly God has created each of our bridgers. And I also continue to be challenged to trust God every time I shadow. So, my dear brothers and sisters, if God can use me to serve our brothers and, uh, our brothers and sisters with special needs, he can use you also. Thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> My name is uh, Pastor Kelly, and I'm the, the pastor of our special needs ministry, Bridge, here. Um, and again, Bridge is our ministry to families with individuals who have special needs. And I, I first wanted to just kind of say some thank yous uh, to those that serve in Bridge. Um, to A thank you to the core, uh, to the shadows like Harlan, uh, those who put the newsletter together. For everyone that, that is involved in this ministry, a big thank you. You're amazing. Um, beyond your wonderful abilities, you serve with such love and humility. So we're really um, thankful for you. This ministry was essentially started by Greg and Gina Hubert, who had prayed before they started attending Lighthouse that one of the pastors would have a child with special needs. Well, their prayers were answered in our family. When my daughter was three, we discovered that she was on the autism spectrum. So I would say I have a heart for this ministry, but I still have so much to learn what it be, what it, when it comes to ministering to those with special needs and their families. I still have a lot to learn about caring for my own daughter. <clears throat> Piper, uh, she's my little buddy, and I, I tend to tease her quite a bit. Um, we joke around all the time, and when, when she gets into the car after school, sometimes I'll say, hey, how are you? And who are you? And she'll say, oh, I'm Piper, I'm your daughter, right? And, and then another thing I like to do is we'll go to Costco and, and <clears throat> we'll, we'll go through the, the, we'll get into the line to, to get our car washed, and right as we're just about to go in the car wash, I'll lower her, car, her window. And it starts to lower and she just starts freaking out. And I know it's not cool, but it's funny. And I do raise the, um, I do raise the, the window up before, before she gets wet. But now it's, it's funny because she knows it's coming and she's just sitting there like, I'm, you know, holding the, uh, the thing up so that I won't, you know, lower it. Um, I shared this story before, but at, at VBS a while back, um, I bought some new deodorant, and my wife Shelly liked it, my daughter Zoe liked it, and when Pip caught a whiff of it, she did not like it, um, and she made that abundantly clear to me. And it wasn't just the first time I put it on, it was all the time. Um, she told me how bad it smelled a lot. Um, I asked Shelly, should I change it? And I thought maybe it was her autism, because those with autism can be sensitive to smells and sounds, and Shelly wasn't too concerned about it, but when my deodorant finally, you know, ran out, Piper and I were in the store, and I was like, hey, how does this one smell? How does that one smell? And she said to me, paraphrase, I actually like your deodorant. I've been playing a long joke. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she didn't play me for like three months. Um, she didn't been messing with me. Um, here I thought I was being sensitive to her needs, and she was playing me. Um, again, I still have a lot to learn. Well, today I hope to encourage you in a couple of ways. First, I want to encourage you with hope. As I hear the stories of our Bridge families, I realize how hard things can be, hard physically, emotionally, relationally, and at the end of the day, knowing that it will start all over again the next day. So I want to encourage them with hope. Secondly, I'd like to encourage our church family in how we can love our Bridgers um, and our families uh, affected by special needs. 
I think there's no better way to encourage you than with the gospel. Well, today is a continuation, as Kim mentioned, of the theme that we've been going through about, uh, for about a month called the Cruciform Church. And a Cruciform Church is a church shaped by the cross of Christ. And we wanna continue to look at how the gospel shapes our lives in terms of loving those with special needs and their families. Pastor Kim mentioned at the beginning of this series that the Cruciform Church is shaped by the message of the cross to show the love of the cross. I wanna think about how the gospel brings us ultimate hope and can really shape the way we love and serve our bridge families. Our passage today comes out of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Now Hebrews is a letter written to the Jews within the church. And some of these Jews were saved, others were not. The Jews were still holding on to the legalism and ritual and ceremony, kind of the outward things of Judaism at the time. And part of the struggle is that they didn't know where Christ fit into it all. The author of Hebrews is trying to show them in this book the superiority of Christ. One author suggests the main theme of Hebrews could be summed up by Hebrews 8.1. And it says this, we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Now that same author writes, here's the whole summary of Hebrews in one sentence. Ours is the high priest of high priests and he's seated. His work is done, completely finished for all time and for us. So what is that finished work? Well, right before the text we are going through today, the author gives this mini proclamation of the gospel, the finished work of Jesus. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Now, this has a lot of wording that might be a little confusing, but it would have been familiar to the Jews in that day. And essentially, the writer is saying that because of Jesus' death on our behalf, we can come into God's presence. This passage talks about his blood and his flesh breaking down the barrier of sin that exists between us and God, opening us to up to a new life in him. One thing that is true of all of us, that's true of all people, is that we are sinners. Sin is rebellion against God, failing to love him as we should. Sin eternally separates us from God, from the God who made us. And there's nothing we can do about this separation from God. And ultimately and justly, our sin deserves death and punishment. But where we could do nothing about this broken relationship, God could. In love, God sent Jesus to earth to live the perfect life we could not and die on the cross for the sins of all who would place their faith in him. His death was a cruel physical death at the hands of men, but Jesus also absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. He was punished for us. Jesus then rose from the dead, overcoming sin and death. And if we place our faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross, our relationship with God is mended. Again, verse 19 says, we have confidence to enter the holy place, places by the blood of Jesus. We get to enjoy him in this life and for eternity. If you're not a believer, we are thankful you are here. And this is our greatest hope for you, that you would come before the holy God that created you and seek his forgiveness and trust in him. If you have questions about the gospel, I would encourage you to meet with one of our pastors after church. We'll be in the foyer at the standing tables with the coffee. 
This is the gospel. This is what is finished. And then we come to our text for today, verses 23 and 25, and it says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who, is promised, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the author talks about the author talks about the gospel and then how the gospel bears fruit in a person's life. So our key idea today is this. The gospel gives, gives us hope and moves us towards others in love. And specifically today, we'll see how the gospel works in the hearts of those who have been touched by disability. And I would offer that we are all touched by disability. If you're in this church, you're touched by disability. We are a family. And there are those in our family who have special needs. So let's think through what the Bible means for us, what the gospel means for us. First, the gospel, gospel people have a great hope. Gospel people have a great hope. We all have hopes, big hopes, small hopes. One of the hopes of my daughter, Zoe, is that she will stop being offered the kids' menu at restaurants. The other day, we were having lunch at Islands, and the server asked us how many, menu, how many kids' menus we would need, implying that Zoe, who is 20 and graduating in three months uh, from college, would need a, a kids' menu. And I loved it, because I looked at her face, and it, it was smiling, and yet I knew she was raging inside. <laughs> what are you hoping for? Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without waving, for he who promised is faithful. Again, this comes right after a text about the gospel and how we have this renewed relationship with God. We have salvation through Christ. For Christians, this is our great hope. But within this verse, it says we need to hold fast to this hope. We need to hold fast without wavering. So how are we able to do this? Well, right in the middle of the verse, it says four. So after that will come our reason, for he who promised is faithful. I think the thing to always keep in the forefront of our minds is not just the promise, but the promise keeper. The word faithful means worthy of belief, trust, or confidence. We can have confidence because it is God who makes this promise. As the verse says, he is faithful. God can be faithful because he is powerful, he's in control, he's motivated by his glory and a, a perfect love for his own. Someone's promise is only as good as they are capable of making good on that promise. God is capable and will make good on what he said. We look at the gospel and all that God would do that we might be saved and brought into his family. This is hope. It's a promise that begins in the third chapter of the Bible when man falls into sin and a savior is promised. And then it continues with all sorts of twists and turns through the history of God's people, the Jews, culminating in the promise being fulfilled in the work and person of Jesus. The fact that God has made good on the most important promise gives us confidence that he will make good on every other promise. And Hebrews is literally littered with these promises. John Piper writes this, embrace your hope, Hold fast to your hope, be, hope-filled, be a hope-filled person, hope in God because God, God has made promises to you and he is faithful. He has promised to write the law on your heart, Hebrews 10, 16, and work in you what is pleasing in his, height, in his sight, Hebrews 13, 21. 
He has promised to remember your sins no more, Hebrews 10, 17. He has promised that, he will, that we will be perfected for all time by a single sacrifice, Hebrews 10, 14. He has promised never to leave us or forsake us, Hebrews 10, I mean, Hebrews 13, 59. And he has promised to bring good from all our pain, Hebrews 12, 10. And so he keeps his word. We all need to be reminded of the hope we have. From the student before midterms to the pastor like me on a Saturday night before you have to preach. Bridge families, we know you need hope. When you're worn out by another therapy session, hospital visit, meltdown, hope in him. I think part of the problem is that we tend to put our hope in things that were never meant to carry our hopes. We look at it around the corner and over the next hill for the better circumstances. We put our hopes in the, the, good, in the doctor or the good diagnosis, better grades, a fulfilling career, a spouse, successful children, friendships, a bank account. But these things can often fill us and when they do, we're left broken and disillusioned. But God always comes through. Brothers and sisters, hope in God because he is faithful to his promises. Bridge families have hope. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Know that your prayers are not being unheard, but being answered by a good God in the way that is best for you. Remember that he has seen to your greatest need and will be faithful in every way that you truly need. So how do we do this? And this really is for all of us. Can I humbly suggest building things into the rhythm of your life that will cause you to have hope in him. And this is something that I've been trying to do for myself. For example, when you wake up in the morning, instead of letting all of the day's worries rush in and lead your heart to worry, rehearse the gospel to yourself. Let his finished work bring you hope for that day and for the future. On the drive to, the, to work or, or to school, saturate your heart with truth, maybe through, through sermons or worship music. I'm, an, I'm a pastor that admittedly likes all sorts of music. But I've tried to listen to more and more Christian music or worship music, and I think it's been good for my soul. Worship music is hope giving by fixing our eyes on Christ. On our drive to school, my daughter Piper and I have been starting to try to memorize scripture. And our goal is simply to memorize 12 verses, one verse a month by the end of this year. His word is hope giving because it is a story with a happy ending. And his word is hope giving because it paints a picture of the hope giver. When you're about to reach for your phone and scroll mindlessly on the things of this world as I can tend to do, maybe read a Christian article or blog. As you're waiting in line somewhere, recount God's goodness through your story. Consider the testimony he has written for you and how he has always been faithful, the big and small ways that he's been faithful to you. Think about how your story is and will be used for God's glory. I'm blessed when God will use part of my story to bless others, my failings or my struggles to highlight his faithfulness. This can bring us hope in the heart because we know that God will use what we're going through for our good and his glory. It's encouraging that my struggle can and will be redeemed by God. In the end, what we need more of is him. So build these gospel moments into your life throughout the day. Hope grows as we recount God's faithfulness in the gospel and in our lives. So gospel people have a great hope. Next, gospel people prompt others to love. 
Well, love looks different for different people. I come from a family of four boys. We didn't exactly sit around braiding each other's hair and talking about our feelings. But we were concerned for each other and interested in each other's life. But we just had a different way of showing it. I remember we made this rule that if God miraculously provided you with a girlfriend, we needed to hear it from you and not through the grapevine, through someone else. Well, when Kim, Pastor Kim, started dating Jen, he failed to tell us. Um, And at a family gathering, my wife reminded us of Kim's sin against us. Um, And so when he went out to the car to get something, we decided we were just gonna jump him. And so Josh, my brother Josh, he took off his glasses. Jared starts like stretching out. And when he came in, we jumped on him, but Kim is a horse. And I think he did more damage to us than we did to him. Different type of love for sure. Um, Verse 24 says, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Remember our motivation to love is because we have been shown an extravagant love in the gospel. We've gone from enemies and beggars to children in God's family and fellow heirs with Christ. And out of the love we've been shown, we love. We love because he first loved us. Notice that this verse is telling us to help others to love. The author is exhorting us to love by helping others to love. The idea of stir up here is the idea of provoking, but in a good way. We provoke someone to love. This love is a brotherly affection. We want what's best for every member of our church family. And we want the gospel to produce good works, fruit in their lives. Hearing this verse growing up, I really never gave pause to the idea that it says considering how to stir one another up. What does it mean to consider? This consider means to be thoughtful, how we uniquely stir others up to love and good works. Church family, how can we, how can you serve our dear families with special needs in a way that just stirs them up to love and good, good works? Well, we need to stir them up in, to love and good works in the places and spaces that God has them. The love and good works we stir them up to will look different in each case. It may be to help them have joy in the unique trials that God has placed in their lives. Stir them up to love and good works can mean to free them up to be able to participate in a ministry so that they grow in how to love those who God has placed in their lives. Stir them up to love and good works can mean to free them up to serve. We can stir them up to love and good works as a presence in their lives when they feel isolated so that they can see a real demonstration of God's grace and in turn, let that grace move outward from themselves to others. We can stir them up to love and good works by seeking out their counsel and listening to their story to be encouraged in our own walks. I think we also need to, be cons- also need to consider, be thoughtful in how to stir up to love and good works the siblings of those with special needs. How can we encourage them in their unique roles? High school and middle schoolers, these bridgers that are your peers, can you greet them and love on them so that the church is a place they love to come and so that they will see fellowship and truth and have an opportunity to worship? Really, this is bigger than bridge, than the bridge ministry and a bunch of programs, but about a church-wide culture of stirring our special needs families, other special needs families up to love and good works. It's a spontaneous smile or conversation or the text, note, or email. It's an offer to help or meal. You should have received a magnet on your way in 
I should have one up here, but I'm hoping you can put that somewhere where uh, you will look at it often and be remembered two things. First, to pray for our, our bridge families, and secondly, to be thoughtful how to stir them up to love and good works. Bridge families, I'd like to ask something of you. Please be patient as we learn to learn how to love you. As, as Wayne said, we, we may say the wrong things. We will likely say the wrong things. We may be awkward. We may do the wrong things or not do enough of the right things. <clears throat> but will you be patient with us as we grow? In my experience, you have only been gracious. But just know that we are trying. So gospel people have a great hope. Gospel people prompt others to love. And lastly, gospel people are in one another's lives. We are a family and we need each other. And a family is made up of all sorts. A few Christmas ago, Christmases ago, I, f- I fell asleep at my in-laws during Christmas morning. Um, sort of crazy thing about it was it was in the same room as the tree and all the gifts. So everyone came in, opened all their gifts around me while I slept. Um, probably mouth open, possibly snoring. I woke up and I was like, oh, I guess we're done here. And I realized at that point, I'm that uncle. I'm the uncle that just falls asleep inadvertently at regular, you know, indiscriminately on the couch at various times. Lighthouse is a family made up of all sorts, of all kinds. Verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Again, our church is a family made up of all sorts. We're different, different strengths, different weaknesses, different seasons of life. God designed us to be in fellowship with one another. If we look back to, um, to, to the creation of man in, in Genesis 2, 18, we see it's that God says, it is not good that man should be alone. We must remember that this was before sin entered the world. It was part of God's initial design that we would be in each other's lives. And it's hard to say without sin what, it, what the initial design was, but likely we were designed to be in community as a greater means of relationship to God. We need to be with our church family. With all our differences, all our sin, all our messiness, and in our struggle, we have to have each other's back. We are family. I remember when I was young, you know, the brothers would argue as brothers do, but I remember once when someone messed with Kim, I was not happy. We were family and you don't mess with my little brother. And I know that's a little tough picture right now because Kim's bigger than me, but there was a time when Kim was smaller and, and I had his back. This side of the fall, we can see God's grace of being in communion in different ways. We need each other's giftedness, accountability. We need each other's service and counsel. We need each other to remind us that this is not our home. And these are all right and these are all good, but the reason the author gives here is to encourage one another. And I think one of the greatest ways we can encourage one another is to remind others and live in light of the gospel like the writer of Hebrews is doing here. Right? This world is not getting any better. It's not getting any easier. And we need our church family to encourage us as we face the peaks and valleys of this life. I'm grateful um, ser- <clears throat> serving our bridgers is not just about me or a small group of individuals, but it's a whole church ministry from leadership to our children. I love how the other day when one of our bridges was getting a little loud in the service, Pastor Kim assured the family that it was totally fine and that we are thankful for them. It's part of being a family. I wonder how as parents, how we can lead our children to love well those with special needs. 
I think it's interesting that in this verse it says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need each other's encouragement all the more as Christ's return approaches. We aren't called to start strong and then just cruise, but to grow in encouragement more and more. So how can we be a church that encourages our bridge family? Bridge families. I think something that is encouraging to the bridgers and their families is simply time spent with them. So I hear testimonies and, and read about families with special, need, special needs individuals. It's heartbreaking to hear that a common struggle is a sense of isolation, of being alone. Again, uh, you know, Wayne pointed out our, our newish program, Bridger Blessing, where members in our church will bless these bridgers in ways that, are, uh, that, they, that they really like. Again, it could be a fun meal, a small gift, playing a video game with them, uh, taking them shopping. This is what May Piao will do for my daughter Piper. My daughter Piper has, has been blessed by May Piao who will take her out for a special afternoon. And if you know Piper, she loves Hobby Lobby. Um, Piper's always pointing out the Hobby Lobbies in the area. And I feel like we're always going by the Hobby Lobby on Hawthorne. And she points it out. And again, I'll mess with her and I'll say, oh, that's not Hobby Lobby, that's Hobie Lobby. That's something totally, that's totally different. That's nothing to see here. Um, but May will take her to Hobby Lobby and then she'll take her to Raising Cane's. Um, pretty much Piper's idea of the perfect day. Uh, what a beautiful picture of, or what a beautiful thing just to be giving up just time and energy and resources to bless our bridgers. And even though I serve in bridge, my, have, my family has been, great recipients of the love and care of Bridge. And again, I'm so thankful for them. So gospel people have a great hope. Gospel, uh, gospel people prompt others to love and gospel people are in one another's lives. Um, before I close, I wanted to invite Tony and Monica Al up to share a bit about their journey with special needs. And in their story, you will hear the struggle, but you will also hear of how uh, they needed the church family. Well, good morning, church family. Second time's a lot easier. <laughs> All right. Uh, my name is Tony, and this is my wife, Monica. We've, come, uh, we've been coming to Lighthouse ever since day one. Uh, we have three boys, Daniel, who's 17, Joshua, 16, and Benjamin, 13. We live in Monterey Park, uh, which is about 30 minutes to an hour and a half away about, uh, from church. So depending on traffic, it might be a journey. After our first child was born, uh, we thought we'd be like most families. Playdates, family vacations, sports, the whole shebang. But in 2009, uh, we found out our second son, Joshua, at 18 months, was diagnosed with autism. It was all unexpected and overwhelming. Oh, it's hitting. <laughs> we knew we were not going to be the family that we envisioned. Uh, our lives were basically turned upside down. We were scared. Um, what will Josh's life be like? We were angry. Why would God put us through this? We were lost. Um, we felt we didn't have anyone to turn to. None of our family and friends really understood or could relate uh, to what we were going through. 
Soon after the diagnosis, our daily lives became filled with endless therapy sessions, PT, ST, OT, and any other Ts. The challenges consumed our lives while still having to care for our other two boys. Challenges like his diet of only eating carbs. For over 10 years, he has never eaten fruits or veggies. Challenges like being out in public. He began having screaming tantrums, which meant dinner and restaurants were nearly impossible because one of us would be in the van with Josh while the other ate with the other two boys and then rotate. In public, stares and looks that people gave us felt like we were the worst parents in the entire world and having to apologize for it. It was also a challenge not being able to travel on family vacations unless we were able to cook his food. The happiest place on earth was enjoyed differently by our family. One of us would ride the Little Mermaid ride 13 plus times nonstop, while the other would take Daniel and Benjamin to the rest of the park. This did not include the challenges that Daniel and Ben experienced throughout their childhood, which included the amount of attention it took away from them in order to care for Joshua, such as letting Joshua have his way most of the time and not having a brother who could play with them the way they wanted. And then, of course, the challenges with church life. There were times during Sunday message one of us would have to watch over Josh because he couldn't handle Sunday school. Fellowshipping out at restaurants for lunch after church was impossible. And of course, we could never forget Joshua being lost at church a few times wandering into the parking lot or to the soccer field back at Torrance High when all we wanted to do was fellowship with people after service. These challenges led us on a downward spiral, even in our relationship with God and our church family. We were so focused on the disability that we didn't want to burden anyone. We isolated ourselves. We prayed to God, wondering if this was worth it to continue going to Lighthouse. And right when we were thinking of leaving Lighthouse, the bridge ministry began. Hearing uh, Gina and Greg's uh, Hubert's story gave us another family that understood the struggles and know exactly what we were going through. We no longer felt alone. Their testimony, love, and support helped us see Joshua's disability as a God-designed ability. We realized that we were so consumed with how the world uh, sees our, his disability that we missed the opportunity to see God's plan for him and our family. We found our hope in Christ and were reminded of God's love and faithfulness to our family. Well, since then, the challenges that we face are now seen as opportunities to grow in faith and for us to share the gospel. Instead of fearing for Joshua's future, what would it look like or who would take care of him? We are reminded in Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We can trust that God will love and provide everything Joshua needs better than we ever can. We're still, again, faced with challenges. Joshua is still learning about social cues and personal space. He doesn't understand how his tone can change the meaning of his words. It might have been cute when he was younger, but now it's different now that when he's older. But we know the challenges will always be there, but it's Christ we are hopeful that God will see us through each and every day. So in Lamentations 3, 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. 
Great is your faithfulness. The Bridge Ministry showed us that it's okay to let our church family into our broken lives and accept their love and support. I'm supported through the Anchored Ministry for Women Affected by Disability. And for Tony, he has the bridge um, that is anchored, anchored for men. <laughs> 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 on Sundays, we can focus on the message without having to keep Joshua occupied. Joshua's shadow takes care of him, goes over verses, and takes him to worship. On Fridays, he can be a part of youth group and learn about God. And lately, he's been even asking about baptisms. The Bridge Ministry not only played an integral part in helping us find our hope in Christ, but demonstrated how to love the church in return because of how they showered us with Christ's love. As part of the church body, we are not limited because of our circumstances. We, too, can love the church. So we host a small group, which is a great way for us to have home court advantage in taking care of Josh while letting brothers and sisters love him in his element, and for us to love and serve our small group. And all of this is possible because, the church, because of the church emulating God's love. So in the beginning of our journey, we knew we were not going to be the family we envisioned. And we thought our lives were upside down. But all this time, we were exactly where God intended us to be. It just took us a little bit to, to realize it. God was slowly chipping away and refining us. But all we could look back then was at what we were losing, but only for God to reveal his great masterpiece that could only be accomplished by Jesus dying on the cross and taking our place and enduring the punishment that we deserve so that we can enjoy being with God for eternity. If we can offer any encouragement through this testimony, it's this. For British families, you are not alone. You have a, we have a God who loves our children because they are his children. And you are part of the church body here. So let our church family love on you. Let them serve you. And for our church family, there are so many ways that you can show support to families affected by disabilities. And it all just begins with a conversation and just getting to know us, um, us families. Thanks, uh, Tony and Monica. Uh, church family, I'm trying to stir you so that you will in turn stir others, specific, specifically our bridge families. While I think this is not always an easy call, it is such a joy. My wife, Shelley, has been a shadow for some time now. And on, Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon when we are talking after church, um, oftentimes she will gush over getting to love, honor, bridge, bridgers, and receiving their love back. <clears throat> and when a bridger has a particularly hard day, hard Sunday, she isn't put off by it, but trying to think of how to serve and love them better in the future. So how will you be a part of our bridge family's lives? Caregivers, to those with special needs. We know um, that things are not always easy, maybe a little messy at times, possibly exhausting. 
We, we see you and your lives stir our hearts up to love and good works. Your joy in the hard, your perseverance in the relentless, and your Christ's focus through the uncertainty encourages our hearts. We know it's not easy. We know you're not perfect, but we need you. You make us better. Your, mat, your example makes us more like Christ. And I hope this brings you a measure of hope. So keep doing what you're doing because your lives make more clear the grace of God to us all. Keep pressing because you stir us up. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for our bridge families. Would you be their hope and help them to always feel loved and valued here. Help our church family to always be gospel focused. And may that work itself out in our love towards others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.